Welcome into Lockdown Blackhawks. Today is Thursday, July 9th, 2020. I am your host, Jack Bushman, tuning in for the 166th episode of Lockdown Blackhawks. Be sure to subscribe to the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast for free wherever you listen to your podcasts, whether that be through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, etc. You'll be able to get the latest episode of Lockdown Blackhawks as soon as it comes out each day, so make sure to go do that. Also, please go follow the Lockdown Blackhawks Twitter page, which can be found at capital L, capital O, underscore Blackhawks, as some good stuff will be posted there daily as well. Okay, to kick off today's episode, let's dive into the latest news surrounding the Blackhawks, which was the appearance of both Jonathan Taze and Kirby Doc at voluntary practice in Chicago for the first time since the NHL paused the regular season back on March 11th. Because of their lack of appearances at those team practices, and also due to some of their social media posts regarding the COVID-19 outbreak, there was a bit of a concern that Taze and Doc would be hesitant to rejoin the team if the 2014 postseason does become a reality, but now that they have participated in the voluntary practices with some of the other guys like Patrick Kane, Alex Nylander, and Malcolm Subban, you get the sense that both Doc and Taze are all in if the return to play plan does go as planned. So, great to see those two integral parts of the Blackhawks team back in action as part of the Phase 2 of the NHL's return to play plan at the Fifth Third Arena in downtown Chicago. Speaking of that return to play plan, we also got some news on Monday afternoon that the NHLPA and the NHL reached a tentative agreement on the return to play plan and their official dates, as well as the new CBA extension for the next four seasons. I talked a bit about this on last Friday's episode, but just as a bit of a reminder, training camps are set to open on July 13th, which is creeping up on us actually, that's next Monday believe it or not. Uh, Obviously we'll have to wait and see with what happens this weekend regarding the COVID-19 tests and the amounts of positive results, but if all goes well, we could see the Blackhawks opening up training camp in Chicago on Monday. Then, after about two weeks of training camp, each team is set to travel to their respected hub cities on July 26th, which is the last Sunday of the month. Each team will then be slated uh, to play an exhibition game there sometime in the next couple of days, with the best of five play-in series expected to start on the first day of August. As all of these reports stated, those dates are subject to change with everything that's going on right now, but if we don't see any more holdups or anything, we could be just three weeks away or so from Chicago Blackhawks playoff hockey. A few other details also came out in the last few days regarding those playoffs. So, originally, we weren't sure if the play-in series was actually going to count as postseason play, and technically, I believe it still won't, but the NHL did state that the statistics from those play-in series will count towards playoff statistics. So, something kind of interesting there. I'm sure more details about that will emerge in the next couple of days or so. And then we also found out that the scheduling for, uh, we found out the schedules for the best of fives and the first two rounds of the postseason with three games scheduled per day for each hub city. Uh, one game scheduled for 12 o'clock, one game scheduled for four, and then one game scheduled for eight o'clock uh, with each of those having, uh, Toronto having the Eastern time zone and Edmonton having the West. Those obviously will change uh, the times, but that gives us six games per day with hockey in the playoffs now. That's crazy. So we did go without hockey for about four and a half months, give or take, but now six games per day, a diehard hockey fan's dream come true. 
But the tough part about this, though, is the people who will be working nine to fives or just working, you know, a, a normal schedule, they will unfortunately be missing some of these games because I'm sure the Blackhawks or any team will not just have only primetime games. Some teams will be playing at noon one day. Some teams will be playing at four. So uh, it's going to be tough that some people are not going to uh, be able to watch these games. But that's kind of the only way to be able to fit this in because you have to play three games a day in uh, each city to get this whole thing done in a timely manner. And then you also have to consider, as I talked about, I believe on Monday or Friday's episode, all of the cleaning procedures with having to clean the ice, having to take care of ice, having to clean the benches, having to clean the locker rooms. So that will kind of stink that the Hawks could be playing a playoff hockey game in like the early afternoon. But honestly, that's the only way to kind of squeeze this in. This brings up the discussion once again about how is it really worth squeezing in this postseason in such a short amount of time with all the risks involved just to rush in a perfectly good season next year? There's also the worry that players are not going to be able to rest and heal for the proper amount of time in this upcoming offseason before getting right back into the swing of things in the next month or so for next season. Recent reports from the NHL said that the plans for the 2020-2021 season is to start on December 1st, which is less than two months from the projected Stanley Cup final this year. How are players who just went through a grueling postseason supposed to be healthy and ready to go like a month later for training camp? Not to mention then play an 82-game regular season with basically no breaks in between. So... This 2014 postseason may sound like an awesome idea for some hockey fans, especially now that there is set to be six playoff games every day, but in reality, this could damage the game of hockey and have a lasting effect throughout the 2020-2021 campaign. A little more news here we got from the NHL, this a little more on the positive side, was that as part of the new CBA agreement, Olympic participation by NHL players for both upcoming Winter Olympics, subject to a successful successful negotiation, will be allowed. So finally, NHL players will return to the Olympics, which just makes the game so much more competitive, especially between the United States, Canada, and Russia. Some of my favorite hockey memories from growing up were during the Olympics, like the 2010 gold medal game between Canada and the United States, even though the U.S. Uh, came out on the wrong side of that one. Uh, but I'm, I'm just very happy to hear that the league will allow players to play in the Olympic Games once again. It, it's only right that they give these guys the opportunity to represent their native countries while they still can, because I, I think it would just be unfair to rob them of that opportunity. I get that the NHL does not want to risk their talent getting hurt, but come on, it's the Olympics. You can't tell these guys that they can't go. That's that's just wrong. And the play during the games is so much better when the best players in the world are allowed to participate, obviously. So some good news there from the league pertaining to the new CBA agreement. But of course, as I've previously mentioned, all of this still has to be finalized and officially agreed upon. But at the moment, things are heading in the right direction. Alright, so I think that take, takes care of all of the latest news surrounding the return to play plan and how it affects the Hawks. Now let's move on to a bit of a touchy subject here, and that is a recent statement from the Blackhawks regarding their team name and logo, with everything currently going on regarding the NFL's Washington Redskins and MLB's Cleveland Indians and their Native American related names. But first, I need to talk about rockauto.com, the best place to shop for all your auto and body needs. Amazing selection, reliably low prices. Visit rockauto.com and tell them the Lockdown Podcast Network sent you. 
That's rockauto.com for an amazing selection and reliably low prices. Listen, we've all had our share of car problems. How much easier is it when you have an auto and body shop that you can rely on? Well, rockauto.com has your back for all the car parts you will ever need in any situation. One more time, check out rockauto.com for reliably low prices and an amazing selection, and make sure to let them know the Lockdown Podcast Network sent you. rockauto.com, an auto and body shop that you can trust for reliably low prices. Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for listening today. I am your host, Jack Bushman. Be sure to check out my personal Twitter page, at JackBushman2, and my Blackhawks Twitter page, at Hockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. Also, be sure to subscribe and follow the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast for free wherever you listen to your podcast, and also on Twitter to get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day. Alright, so we just wrapped up talking about all of the latest news on the Blackhawks and the NHL regarding the potential 2014 postseason. Now let's move on to the strong statement the Blackhawks made on Tuesday regarding their team name and logo. If you didn't read the full statement, I'll get to it here in just a minute, but basically the Blackhawks are expected to stand by their Native American team name and logo despite a few other professional sports teams like the Washington Redskins and Cleveland Indians currently being under scrutiny for the same issue. But... I thought the Blackhawks really did a good job of explaining why they won't be changing these things, and it's because the history of the team name is not racist and not inflictive of impression. Instead, the name honors the historic Blackhawk, and the team often celebrates his legacy with pregame celebrations and intermission performances. So, the full statement from the Blackhawks reads, The Chicago Blackhawks' name and logo symbolizes an important and historic person, Blackhawk of Illinois' second Fox Nation, whose leadership in life has inspired generations of Native Americans, veterans, and the public. We celebrate Black Hawk's legacy by offering ongoing reverent examples of Native American culture, traditions, and contributions, providing a platform for genuine dialogue with local and national Native American groups. As the team's popularity grew over the past decade, so did that platform and our work with these important organizations. We recognize there is a fine line between respect and disrespect, and we uh, commit uh, comment other teams for their willingness to engage in that conversation. Moving forward, we are committed to continue. Uh, to, we are committed to raising the bar even higher to expand awareness of Blackhawk and the important contributions of all Native American people. We will continue to serve as stewards of our name and identity, and will do with a commitment to evolve. Our endeavors in this area have been sincere and multifaceted, and the path forward will draw on that experience to grow as an organization and expand our efforts. So some great stuff there from the Blackhawks explaining how they completely understand the situation and they will do their best in the future not only to continue with what they have done in the past to honor Blackhawk, but to only be better and raise awareness of his many contributions uh, to Native Americans. There was also a recent statement made from former Blackhawks forward Jordan Tutu on this topic that I wanted to share on the podcast because I thought it perfectly explained the situation for all sports teams that are involved. Tutu made the statement regarding the Edmonton Eskimos, who are Canadian football team and obviously involved in this situation because of their name. And also, if you don't know, Tutu was the first Inuk player to play in the NHL, so he uh, obviously relates to this situation. 
I'm not going to read all of Tutu's statement here because it is pretty lengthy, but there are some important parts that I wanted to cover. So the parts of the statement that I wanted to share reads, My position is this. We should all understand what the term means to the Anuk people. My generation refers to itself as Anuk. What is important to me is that people understand this. And when referring to the Inu Inuit people, I hope I didn't pronounce that horribly, they respect that we refer to ourselves as Anuk. I understand there are names of sports teams that bring back feelings of oppression for people, and I can see why those names should be changed. So, this makes me ask the question, does the term Eskimo for the Edmonton franchise bring back feelings of oppression for the Anuk people? For me, it does not. That is not a reason to keep the name, though. There could be others for whom it does create those feelings, but for me, it does not. I encourage the franchise to explain why they chose the name Eskimos in the first place. Was it racially charged, or was it because of admiration for the ability of the Eskimos to thrive in cold climates, for their mental and physical toughness, and for their resilience? My point is that the context really does matter, and they need to be honest with themselves and with the public. The truth goes a long way. So, also some really good stuff here from Tutu, and as it relates to the Blackhawks, I personally think the team did a really good job of explaining that the name Blackhawk is not racially charged, and the team name has the, the team has this name because it wants to honor the life of Blackhawk for all of his admirations and contributions to Native American life. Uh, I think Tutu really did a good job of explaining each sports team has a responsibility to explain to the people truthfully why they picked this name, and if it does have some racial implications to it, if it does have some racially charged matter in the background, then I think these teams should have to change their logo and their team name if they deem it necessary, because for some people, this this is a matter that it, it could offend them. I, I'm personally not affected by this matter, but I can't speak for the people who are, because I, I don't know how they feel. So I, I think for each sports team, they have to go back and do their history of the franchise and understand why they're named uh, why they have those names in the first place, and then they have to truthfully give this matter to the people because it, that only lying about this would make it worse because the truth will come out, so they might as well do the right thing and get ahead of it before anyone else finds out more dirt on them. All right, so I think that covers everything I wanted to talk about relating to the Blackhawks' strong statement regarding their team name and logo. Now it's time to move on to our new daily segment here on the podcast, which is Regular Season Recap, where I give a brief recap of one of the Blackhawks players' 2019-20 regular seasons, just as a bit of a refresher on how they did this year before the best-of-five playing series against the Edmonton Oilers. I am Jack Bushman your host of the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast. You can reach me on Twitter at JackBushman2 or at Talkin Hockey, or you can also email the Lockdown Blackhawks email, which is LockdownBlackhawks at gmail.com for any questions regarding the Blackhawks, myself, or simply just life in general. Okay, so we just finished up talking about the recent statement from the Blackhawks on their Native American-related team name and logo. Now it's time for our daily regular season recap segment, with today's feature being Blackhawks 24-year-old rookie Dominic Kubalik. So, coming into the year, not many people really knew what to expect from the newly acquired check forward. Kubalik, a former 7th round pick of the Los Angeles Kings in 2013, was sent to Chicago in exchange for a 2019 5th round pick last January, but at the time, there was really not too much hype surrounding the acquisition. I think this lack of excitement was because... 
well, no one really knew much about Dominic Kubalik, frankly. Prior to this season, he had spent most of his professional career in the Czech and Swiss leagues, which don't get too much coverage from over here in North America, for the standard hockey fan at least. Well, Kubalik's play in Europe certainly caught the Blackhawks' attention, as even in a rebuilding stage, the team was willing to risk a fifth-round pick for a player that had not returned to North America since his junior hockey career ended in 2014, so this was a bit of a risky move. Kubalik also failed to report to the Los Angeles Kings training camp in both 2017 and 2018, so there wasn't any guarantee that he would ever come back to North America. But the Blackhawks are one of the best in the league at scouting European talent, so it was no surprise to see them go out and take a chance on a highly skilled overseas guy like Kubalik. I mean, it makes sense when you look at his numbers from his last few years in Europe. In 2018-19, in the top Swiss league, Kubalik led the NLA with 25 goals and 32 assists for 57 points in 50 games, which was right on his point-per-game pace in his last half-season with the team last year. That, to that total point output really does not sound like a whole lot, but in a low-scoring league like the NLA, 57 points in a season is significant. Anything even close to a point-per-game at, at that league is impressive, so... Kubalik did really well in his last couple of years overseas, and then we also saw Kubalik explode onto the scene while representing the Czech Republic at the 2019 IIHF World Championship. The Pilsen Czech native recorded 12 points in 12 contests, which was tied for the 8th most in the tournament with future Blackhawks teammate Patrick Kane. Kubalik also finished tied for 8th in goals as he, Tampa Bay Lightning star Nikita Kucherov, and 2019 number 2 pick Capo Kako all finished with 6 tallies. So, Kubalik had some momentum heading into his first NHL campaign, and he carried that over into the fall with 9 points in his first 19 games with the Blackhawks. But things then went cold for a bit for the rookie, as in the next 14 contests, he only recorded 4 points and was beginning to lose some of his ice time. But right around Christmas, Kubalik caught fire on the top line alongside Jonathan Taze and finally hit his stride. In the final 35 games of the season, Kubalik amassed a whopping 22 goals and 11 assists for 33 points, officially inserting his name into the Rookie of the Year conversation. One major turning point in Kubalik's season came in a 17-day span from July 2nd or January 2nd to January 19th, when he racked up 10 goals and 4 assists in just 9 games. In total, Kubalik finished his rookie year with 30 goals and 16 assists for 46 points in 68 games, leading all NHL rookies in goals. Although he surely won't win the Calder Trophy for NHL's Rookie of the Year, the fact that he's even in the conversation with Colorado's Kale McCarr and Vancouver's Quinn Hughes, that alone is impressive. It's even more spectacular when you consider Kubalik only averaged 14 minutes and 22 seconds of ice time per game. In terms of goals scored per 60 minutes, only Boston's David Pasternak, Washington's Alex Ovechkin, New York's Mika Zabinijad, and Toronto's Austin Matthews finished with a higher average. Some very impressive company there for Kubalik. He also finished with only four power play goals on the year, so another impressive aspect is he did most of his damage at even strength this year. One other impressive statistic from Kubalik's season is that he shot 19.5%, which just does not happen too often in the NHL, especially in your rookie year, which is a testament to his strong shot. Kubalik's most impressive performance was probably his first career hat-trick on February 27th in Tampa Bay against the high-powered Lightning, as he led the Hawks to a much-needed 5-2 victory in one of the toughest buildings to play in. Overall, Dominic Kubalik was terrific in 2019-20, as he helped pick up the offensive slack while Alex Dabrinkit had a bit of a junior drop-off. 
He found strong chemistry in the second half of the season on the top line with Jonathan Taze. So if the NHL's potential 2014 postseason does take place, then that is exactly where coach Jeremy Colleton should slot Dominic Kubalik. All right, so I think that is going to wrap up Blackhawks rookie Dominic Kubalik's regular season recap and also Thursday, July 9th's episode of Lockdown Blackhawks. Thank you again for tuning into the show. And as always, make sure to give the Lockdown Blackhawks Twitter page a follow at capital L, capital O, underscore Blackhawks. Also, be sure to subscribe and follow the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast for free right now on your favorite podcast app, and you'll get the latest episode of Lockdown Blackhawks as soon as it's out each day. And after the show, ask your smart device to play the Lockdown NHL podcast for all the latest news about the potential return of hockey in the next few weeks. Thank you again for tuning into today's episode. I am your host, Jack Bushman. You can catch me on Twitter at my personal account, at JackBushman2, or my Blackhawks account, at TalkinHockey. For any questions at all regarding anything related to the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, feel free to email LockdownBlackhawks at gmail.com or call 708-653-0572 to leave a voicemail. So until tomorrow, I hope you enjoy the rest of your day, and thank you again for listening.